the pandemic, social unrest, the state, and the White House. You are listening to The John DePietro Show. It's John DePietro on AM 1380, 99.9 FM. Folks, you can always listen online at the website, dipietro.com. It is Tuesday. It is March 30th. I want to draw attention there's a story in this morning's boston globe where they cover rhode island the rhode island section of it how rhode island's takeover of the providence schools unraveled before it really got started what is um what's amazing in the story which written by dan mcgowan who we talk to each week is how just how far apart things have have uh, become and broken apart and now the the latest on this is the union with the providence teachers union which has now seen a a state takeover, but now they not only have they had a vote of no confidence in the education commissioner and the superintendent of Providence, they then announced yesterday that they, they don't want the state to be in control anymore. They want it to go back to Providence. Well, that's too late. No one in the state house is stepping up. Uh, yesterday, both House and Senate both said, you know, no, we're not we're not doing that. And the Governor McKee said everyone needs to come to the table. But they have spent, as I've you know, reported, more than 300 hours since the contract expired at the end of August of last year, 2020. But in recent weeks, it's really fallen, fallen apart. Now, some of you may remember on, on August, excuse me, on March 4th, I asked the education commissioner, if this were a nine-inning game, what inning are you in? And she said, oh, we're in the ninth inning. Well, I mean, now they told the Globe, the education commissioner, it's about control for them. They've been, never been there for the community. They're feeling very stressed out now. The superintendent, Peter, said, we're not anywhere. We're just not anywhere. And a big part of this has to do with hiring and seniority. The way the union contract is, is when a position is open, it has to go to a senior person, regardless of ability. So if you have someone who's great, it will be great in the role, and they're 30 years old, you can't hire them if there's someone who's been there longer who's maybe 35, 40, 45 years old, what have you, but they've been longer, you have to hire the senior person. Now, folks, as you know, I mean, picture, and and I recognize it's different, but just imagine if Bill Belichick, if when he's going to play the game, he has to put the guys on the field that have been with the team the longest. So if someone's a rookie or someone's been only there one or two years, they can't, nope, they can't play. And if you go back to staying with the Patriots, under that guys, when when Drew Bledsoe did heal after he got hurt, nope. Tom Brady goes back to the bench and Bledsoe comes out and he's your quarterback because he's been there longer. I mean, we know that it just doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way in the private sector. This is a huge point of contention within the contract. And how bad has it gotten right now where the union wants to, all right, forget it. We don't want the state in control of this. The reason they don't want to is because seemingly the state has more control over the contract and, and basically they want to make major provisions to the contract. But how, how bad is it right now when they're meeting, according to the Boston Globe, when they meet uh, and they meet apparently twice a week uh, at the union headquarters and they have the mediator there who's former Supreme Court Justice uh, Frank Flaherty, Justice Flaherty, he's now acting as the mediator. They meet twice a week in the union headquarters they have to sit in separate rooms and former state Supreme Court Justice Flaherty has to walk back and forth to present present proposals. That is unacceptable. That is unprofessional. This never should have been tolerated. What, what message does this send to students? The two sides, Infante Green, the education commissioner, and Superintendent Peters, they have to sit in a separate room from the teachers union people. That shouldn't be allowed. Okay, that's a failure right there. If you can't sit in the same room, have you ever heard of anything like this, folks? Why? What's what's the matter? Are they going to come to fisticuffs at the table? I mean, is that how just things have broken down in such an infantile, unprofessional manner? And I'll tell you, you're still seeing some of the problems. First of all, that shouldn't be tolerated. It should be, listen, you're sitting in the same room. And if you're not going to be in the room, we're going to start making changes. But if you are looking for an example of who has failed and how did the Providence teachers contract in the schools get to the position that it is in providence school board president nick Heyman, and what did he say he said nick Heyman, 
who is Providence School Board president, who I don't even know what that means since, since they were in the middle of a of a state takeover. He is functioned liaison between union and management ever since the state took control. He said, you know, both sides need to be more reasonable. He considers the union to, quote, be good partners with the district. What um, what would be considered a bad partner? You have one of the, the uh, fourth worst school district in the country. Uh, Wall Street Journal described it as education hell, nightmare. Uh, they can't even sit in the same room with the people they're trying to negotiate. And he describes that as, they, you know, they're good partner. What would be a bad partner, Nick Kevin? See, he needs to go. He said, you know, they're not going to sign off on drastic change overnight. Well, it's certainly not overnight. It's 300 hours later. How many years? This is going on over two years now. This thing has dragged on. If it's revolutionary change, that's going to have to happen in the courthouse. So go get it done. Then it is. You're not going to change the entire school system, fix every problem with one contract. Well, you're going to, but if you keep the one you have, you're not going to make any, any improvements. Change happens incrementally. No, it doesn't. No, if the ship is sinking, change can't, you can't fix it just a little bit at a time. You need a complete overhaul. This is an overhaul situation. What a quote from the Providence School Board President, Nick Hemmen. Hemmen, he, uh, the union are good, good partners. What would be a bad partner? What would be classify in his mind of a good, of a bad partner? This foolishness needs to come to an end because it's an expensive. And again, I recognize you're listening right now saying, John DePietro, I don't live in Providence. I don't care. True, except we pay for it. It costs huge money. And it is holding back the state. There are different companies. They want to relocate, but their their employees want to live in the capital city. And many of their employees, many companies, their, their employees believe in public education. So they want to send their children to the Providence public schools. And you can't do that when it's listed as the fourth worst in the country and described as from the Wall Street Journal as an education nightmare. So uh, they need changes to come in quickly. You're listening to The John DePietro Show. Well, it's a challenge to run your business these days. Maybe you need to find the right type of workers. Why not let MEGA professionals find them for you? Call MEGA professionals today, serving Rhode Island and Massachusetts, 508-336-7801. MEGA, M-E-G-A, professionals, 508-336-7801. Maybe if you need workers. Maybe you have workers and won't come back to work. You need drivers, certified help, part-time, full-time, maybe weekend work. You need the professionals at MEGA Professionals. Let them find the workers for you. They screen them all out. They send them right over to you. Serving Rhode Island, Massachusetts, call them today, 508-336-7801. Maybe you need mechanics or skilled labor or warehouse workers, office workers, professionals, even those in the healthcare profession, MEGA professionals. Call them today, 508-336-7801. Again, 508-336-7801. You focus on your business. Let MEGA professionals help you find the workers. MEGA professionals, 508-336-7801. If you've been thinking about updating your website or if you have questions about how to get the most out of social media for your business, you could receive a free consultation from a local digital marketing professional. And she's been doing this work for 25 years. Contact Karen Etchells at InnoVest Digital Marketing. She will help you better position your brand on the web to engage visitors and get results. She's local and responsive. Give Karen a call for a free consultation at 401 401- 321-2799. That's 401-321-2799. Or find Karen on the web at www.innovast.com. What's the point of having an appliance if it doesn't work properly or maybe you have problems with it? I'll tell you what you should do. As I like to say, if your appliance is dying, just call Ryan. Ryan's Appliance Repair, 401 710 7096. Easy to remember. Ryan's Appliance Repair, 401-710-7096. I've used Ryan on several occasions, whether it's for your washing machine or maybe your dryer or the refrigerator or your stove or oven or microwave, any appliance. If your appliance is dying, just call Ryan, 401-710-7096. I was having a problem with our, our clothes dryer. What would happen? It wouldn't turn on. 
No way they were going to dry the clothes. I called Ryan's appliance repair. He fixed that in about five minutes. Then the oven wouldn't heat up. I called Ryan's appliance repair, 401-710-7096. He fixed the, he fixed the, the oven in about five minutes. Folks, call them. All work is guaranteed for 90 days, parts and labor. Senior citizens discounts are available and Saturday appointments are available. Come on, call Ryan's Appliance Repair, 401-710-7096. Listening to the John DePietro Show, folks, weekdays, we start at 11, we go until 2. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at the website, which is dePietro.com. It's time for DePedro Debate. Uh, joining me is one of my siblings. She is a writer columnist for the Sun Chronicle. It is Donna Perry. And DJ, I want to start off with, um, let's start off with last week was the much anticipated Biden press conference. Uh, a lot of thoughts about that. I, I'll just start start off. I mean, I, I know some people, they set the bar low for him, but I found it um I mean, think of that. That was him rehearsed. That was him rested. That was him in some ways, like top of his game. And um, boy, he is, and it's nothing, you know, I'm not trying to be disrespectful, but he is an old 78 years old. Yes. (laughs) And very, very good to join you, um, JD. You know, the thing is, as you say, however they try to arrange things, I think it is very apparent to anyone, uh, and you don't have to have a medical degree, or, or and you're not trying to be just mean, John. I mean, he just, everything about it is there, he has reached a point for whatever is the background reason where he, he definitely has a very small time limit of being able to keep concentration and bring in information um, and certainly, you know, kind of handle a room of a lot of questions, especially when they're not all just adoring and friendly questions. So, you know, uh, a lot has already been reported on it. Um, But I just think that there was a lot that was kind of, pardon me, and a kind of an embarrassing display for what passes as should be journalist questions. Yes. Um, You know, I mean, when you look at the talk about the lead off with Yamish Alcindor and it was sort of like this praising statement, it wasn't even a question. It was saying, you know, well, you're just such a decent um, and moral man. And she was equating with that's the impetus for, you know, the migrants coming to the border. Now she was famously always hostile at odds with Trump. And so, you know, I think they're all very conscious that Trump watches all of these things play out. So it's almost like they want to put their finger in the eye of Trump and, and for that to be like a lead off. Uh, and then, so that kind of, it's almost like they're playing with him. Like they're like communication staff for him, some of the reporters. So uh, I think it's, it's not a good representation of how the media and so that you have a lot of these journalists. So, you know, they, that's how they view their role is they're almost advancing this democratic president. And I think, um, And the way Biden, the other thing I thought was notable, though, J.D., and this goes to why he's been overly coddled by so many members of the press, because I thought the best questions came from uh, actually like Univision. And there was a Hispanic reporter and she was pretty tough and she was saying the truth of what's going on at the border. uh, And he really bristled. And then when she said so. You know, we have kids crowded in these holding pens and um, it's not sanitary. It's the holding way beyond the legal limit. Uh, So that's satisfactory to you. Now, the tone of that question was very typical of anything Trump would have ever gotten. Right. And he and Biden, like you saw that little shade of the old Biden where he got pesty, you know, a little testy with her and said, Oh, come on. Like, is that a serious question? And like, as if, you know, I thought that was very revealing of how he has been coddled by a lot of the press. He expects no one would imply he's doing something for an alternative reason or not doing it well. Um, So I thought that was quite revealing. And the other issue, um, I, I think that I forget which one brought it up, though, is that they have a real problem. And I wrote about this. of the transparency at the border problem. I mean, they are, and the fact that he muddled through 
whoever asked, it might have been um, uh, somebody at NBC, but he muddled through when they were pointing at it and saying, so when exactly are you letting the press see all parts of it, especially the border facility holding places, um, where as we speak, J.D., there's thousands and thousands pouring in every day. So yes. it's, this didn't stop it last week at the press conference. You know what I mean? So and all that stuff. So and the thing is, he gave this very odd like, oh, well, you know, once we get things sorted out. Well, that was a way of saying, well, once we get it like in a way that you can't see how bad it was looking, you know, right. I mean, it's just obvious. So I think it was but. Kristen Walker from NBC. Yes. Now, Donna Perry, the the uh, Biden White House, White House, they were upset that he didn't get more questions about the pandemic. And apparently and I guess the, in, in high, the, there were no questions about COVID. Um, what, what is your thought on that? Because. I mean, we get so much information about it. I don't I don't know, you know, if you're there, I don't know if you're going to get any new news or there's any real questions about it. So they may have wanted right. that. And the chief of staff liked, uh, you know, they had someone that, you know, put on Twitter or by you. Imagine that. No questions about COVID. So they were obviously seemingly prepared him for that. And he had his cards there. Um, but what did you think of that, that there were no questions on COVID? Well, I think from the White House's point of view, they, they saw that as the victory lap kind of thing, yes. because he's trying to like, that's their talking point. And they work right. very much this way, Jen Psaki. It's very much about here's what we're discussing today. It's like, well, you know what? That's not really actually how news should work. Um, right. And reporters are not supposed to be cooperating like their little press secretaries on that. And I yeah. thought the reason he didn't get the question um, well, here's again to their own way they've mismanaged this, J.D. If they had held this on February 1, they right. would have gotten the questions Correct. about the vaccine rollout. And by the way, he would have had a, a little bit of an edge there. And he could have talked about, oh, we're, you know, we're setting up these federal testing sites and, you know, and all that stuff. Not well, 64 days in. Yeah. So they yeah. that's their fault. They waited till the end of March. Um, and again, thing, you're the president. It's your on your watch. A lot of things happen the longer you go in. And what were they going to ask and say, gee, how excited were you that the, uh, you know, two trillion dollar bill passed <laughs> that? I mean, that really like what were the it's it got through Congress. It's out in the country. They got all, you know, two trillion money is out there. Um, vaccines are an achievement of anything about the pandemic. The vaccines are the victory story of this country right. at this point when you compare yep. to the rest of the world. So yes, I don't know, you know, how many more victory, like applause questions can the media do? And I think they, you know, anyway, he's got a lot on his plate. They didn't get to a lot of that. Um, and like we say, you know, I think COVID is moving toward its conclusion, despite some of the other hysteria that goes on. Which, with the, which we're going to touch we're on. Touch but on. I also want to, I think yeah. we saw that's why they held him back. I'm yep. not sure when we're going to see him do another one of those. I have a friend of mine who was saying, you know, if, if he were a doctor, I don't think they'd let someone operate. And again, not trying to be mean, but you would not put someone in his current physical form. Um, I, I don't think you'd put them in charge of a company right now. Uh, right, you would right. not. He just happens to be the president and they're handling him and managing him. One last uh, note on that was Caitlin Collins of CNN got a lot of blowback. Now, if that had been Fox or someone else, but what do you think of her asking uh, if he anticipated that Kamala Harris would be on the ticket with him? She got um, the, some of some of the left wing were like, how dare someone intimate that a woman of color, Kamala Harris, wouldn't <laughs> be on the the ticket what would you hey it was cnn that asked it but what would right. you think of that i don't think that i mean in fairness I, I don't think that's on a lot of people's minds but they were trying to say that he made news by announcing he plans to seek re-election but what what would you think of that well i think the origin of anything with caitlin collins is a way to all roads have to lead back to trump because she yeah. she this reporter uh, who came out of nowhere. She's young. She made her name with like fighting with Trump. And I, if yes. you notice, she almost seems not equipped to operate almost without mentioning him after every 10 words. So, yep. you know, she, she is the one that sort of always interjects Trump into it, it seems, because CNN thinks that's how they get a rise out of the audience, I think. 
Um, and so she asked about the reelection. And I, I don't think that's, I mean, if we have reached the point where Kamala Harris cannot be viewed in an objective way, stand right. on her own two feet, you're this, you're the vice president. And I don't think she should be coddled more than anyone else. I mean, um, you know, he selected her. She's in a very big role. She's going to have to sort of prove that like anyone else would. Um, I don't think there should be blowback that, that it was asked. And, and that's very common that you say, would you keep the same ticket? Um, also the fact though, I thought his, <laughs> well, he contradicted himself as we saw in the exchanges. So first he kind of said, yes. Then he said, Oh, who knows what they're doing <laughs> an hour from now. Or it, right. it was like an odd and again, J.D., that's where you see the senior moments he has it is. coming in. And then he kind of bumbled around on it and said, I would expect to. And then I would expect she would run with me, which maybe she didn't like that. Right. That's in politics. I would expect is like gives you an open door to change the well, plan. I don't know. It's just, Biden struck me as he's yeah. the type and you hear about it, but someone, he goes down to his basement and says, now what did I come down here for? Oh. I mean, that's how he <laughs> seemed. But Donna Perry, before we take a break, Kamala Harris, and it's something we've touched on. She has, it's a bad habit. She's not a young woman. I don't know if they could be broken, but she has this habit of which she starts laughing whenever she either doesn't know what to say or gets uncomfortable and it came out yesterday. I sent you the clip mm-hmm. where she was laughing hysterically, discussing struggling parents who aren't able to send their kids to school. It, it's one of those things in this day and age. I, I don't know what they're going to do. If they don't identify that that's a problem, that she's always laughing, much like when she was asked, do you go to the border? Yeah. If she doesn't know what to say, she just starts laughing as if that's a way out. But yeah. it's a, it's, as I said, it's a bad habit. It, wow. It's, well, in politics, it's almost like a bit of a, and I want to say it's a character flaw, but it's like a fatal like instinct for her to it always is. be doing. You're right. She, I, I, and I think you're exactly right. I think she, when she either A, doesn't like the question, she, right. um, she also has that sort of attitude of, of, of almost like, how dare you ask me these lines of questions, I think. And so when that comes out, I think she's, she's like mocking sort of the tone of the conversation a lot. Yes. Um, and in that cackling, laughing, it's oh. it's just so not fitting of the role. Yeah. Um, we, you, you know, you never saw Pence, you know, burst out into weird cackling over questions. And and you're right, like she's done it on many occasions. Um, uh, very famously, uh, CBS Nora O'Donnell interview with yeah. the, like the one interview that was held right. before the election. Um, All right. So... We're going to take a quick break. A lot more folks. Donna Perry, The Sun Chronicle, right here on the John DePietro Show. MEGA truck and trailer repair. Call them today. Commercial trailers, diesel equipment. Serving Rhode Island and Massachusetts, 508-336-2110. 508-336-2110 for MEGA, M-E-G-A, MEGA truck and trailer repair. As I said, commercial trailers, diesel equipment, free estimates FHWA inspections and Rhode Island State Inspection Station, trailer pickup and delivery, 24-hour mobile service serving Rhode Island and Massachusetts. It's MEGA truck and trailer repair. Call them today, 508-336-2110, 24-hour mobile service, and also ABS repairs, brakes, doors. Listen, if it's on a trailer, MEGA truck and trailer repair, they can repair it. Call them today, 508 508- 336-2110-508-336-2110. It's MEGA Truck and Trailer Repair. Have you been thinking about updating your website? Do you have questions about how to get the most out of social media for your business? Would you like a free consultation from a local digital marketing professional who has been doing this work for 23 years? Contact Karen Etchells at Innovast Digital Marketing. Karen will help you better position your brand on the web to engage visitors and get results. She's local and responsive. Call Karen Etchells at 401-321-2799. That's 401-321-2799. Or find Karen on the web at www.innovast.com. We're in an accident. Someone hits your vehicle. It's damaged in some way. Pick up the phone and call West Fountain Auto Body, 401 401- 
3340. They're located 400 West Fountain Street in Providence. Folks, as you're riding along, you just never know. You could be dealing with a drunk driver, someone not paying attention. How about the people texting and driving? If you ever damage your vehicle, call West Fountain Auto Body, 401-272-3340. Several reasons. One, they'll handle everything for you. Two, they're going to work for you, not the insurance company. And three, they'll make your car. It'll look like it just rolled out of the showroom. West Fountain Auto Body. Call them, 401 272 3340. Did someone damage your vehicle? Whether it's a small fender bender or nearly total vehicle, West Fountain will restore your vehicle, get it back on the road. Call them today, 401-272-3340. And remember, if you're having an accident, first thing you want to do, call the police, fill out a police report. If the tow truck shows up, tell them, let's get this vehicle over to West Fountain, 401-272-3340. Speaking with Donna Perry, writer, columnist for the Sun Chronicle. DJ, I want to just stay with the Biden team. And uh, Jen Psaki was on with Chris Wallace, Fox News Sunday. And I'd I'd like you to talk a little bit about that exchange. Sure. And, you know, um, one thing I will say about Wallace that um, I, I think is notable, like he really tries to run it down the middle. A lot of some people might think he's not quite Fox um, brand, but on the other hand, I think he his thing is I'm not I'm not friends with any of you political people, and I'm you know and I'm going to run it run it straight. And I think the way, what he posed to her, their conversation about the border, and how she you know was very revealing of how they view they can kind of almost worm out of this. John is what came across to me. Uh, it was a very testy exchange at different points, and and he just said, no, let's walk this through. You know, first of all, he almost in, and said, you guys are not telling the truth when you say when the when he said the president said at the press conference that this is a normal surge. Now, John, there's easy data reporting everywhere. They're at at least a 20 year high. Right. So it's not normal surge, number one. And it's it's getting worse. Um, and she kind of like spun her way around on that and said, Um, You know, well, yeah, sort of like explaining why, you know, well, if there's young people and it looks like there's more that we're letting in and kind of like took a stab at Trump and we're not going to let someone, I don't know, go over the border back to Mexico, toward Mexico and and saying children are star who he allowed that this going to starve to death on the journey back. So she's you know, it was kind of that kind of an exchange. But to his credit, he pressed her and said, but you continue to not allow media, any easy access to the border facilities. Um, And when he said, you, you guys are actually less transparent than the Trump administration was about letting press down there. And that, and, you know, she was very bristled at that um, because they, John, they always feel they have the moral high ground. That's That's a lot of what is projected from her. Yes. You know, we would not separate Um, children from parents and she bristled that he said like but your policy is incentivizing yes the biggest surge in 20 years um and and that's what it is thousand children right now being held at the border (laughs) that is and it's this business of well because i'm a nice guy it's 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 your messaging and the fact that the word is out yeah it's basically an open border that's what's causing this surge but i just wondered a he doesn't seem to be in the loop and B, they just don't seem prepared or equipped to deal with the fact that the media wants access to show this. Yeah. And they, that's right. And like, they sort of have had, I, I just, so I think a lot of what happened over the campaign and they were allowed to hide him and really allowed to hide a lot of what they were intending to do is now coming full circle JD, because they seem very thrown by the border issue how they're messaging it and how to respond to it right. because um, and I, you know, we've talked about this. I've, I've touched on this in my, in my pieces, like there is, it's not just migrants and like, Oh, young kids set out with a backpack. Someone gives them, this is a cottage industry. Right. There are activist groups. There are immigration lawyer activists, JD. They are down there in those countries. They organize this. Uh, who do you think put them in T-shirts? They didn't come up That's with right. all that themselves. No. Um, so he's up against 
this very big cottage industry. You have activists who it goes beyond whatever he and Jen Psaki and the chief of staff want. You know, these there are groups who see this is their opening, John. They have waited for years and they think through Biden, we will have just mass immigration and they are encouraging and they organize people in those individual you know, communities and cities and towns. So he's up against that. They seem thrown by that. They don't know how to really, you know, combat that. Right. And as spring turns into summer over the next few months, that's when it's really going to start to increase even more. Uh, Staying with television uh, just for a moment, 60 Minutes did have a good piece. They certainly could have pushed back more, but uh, the 60 Minutes piece about the virus um, you know, the, if you want to call it that, there really was no investigation in, in, in China, how it escaped from the Wuhan lab. Uh, yeah. Donna Perry, you know, they criticized President Trump a lot. But, you know, a year ago, there were people saying and all information now seems to point to that. That's what happened was it, it basically came from a bat. It escaped. It was bat to animal to human and escaped from Wuhan. And. Um, as, as much as people are criticizing President Trump, it, it certainly seems that the, the WHO, that China pushed them around, wouldn't acknowledge them, and really wouldn't let them investigate anything. Right. And so, you know, the media we're seeing right now with 60 Minutes and others, so that that is, is all timed to this release of the report. It might have been a, a day ago. It's, it's in this period of this week. Um, so this is the WHO report which it turns out, and there's plenty of reporting on this, and there's a lot of people now, John, are coming forward in public health. And they're not just letting, um, you know, some have the last word or have these guys who have actually, you know, done business with the Chinese um, quite a bit. And and that sort of was what the criticism of the 60 Minutes interview. So Leslie Stahl has this guy on who... (laughs) I mean, there's a lot of critics online and on Twitter who said it was like a laughable interview. She's allowing a guy who had who has been involved with, you know, grants and funding toward that lab. There's plenty of Americans uh, in public health. They, John, they become consultants to this stuff. Right. So they're on, you know, no other way to say it. They're on the payroll. And so that was one of the main interview guys she had on. His name escapes me right now. But. You know, and I think what's going on there is they were uh, Leslie Stahl. I don't want to just throw knives at her, but she's lost her curveball. I mean, her. Yeah. I thought that interview was kind of laughably um, amateur and the guy was running circles around her. And and they're defending whatever is the uh, the Chinese Communist Party line on the origin of this. They do not like uh, the scrutiny on what they do at that Institute of Virology. Uh, This is not a secret that they experiment with really creating viruses because it is under the guise of research. But let's face it, um, I, I think that you have that report, which is, again, tied to the release of the WHO report, which really is choosing to sort of wipe the slate clean for the Chinese. That's what's going on with that pushing the idea. It came from like an animal market versus did something, you know, uh, unsavory happen from the lab? Did it come from a worker at a lab? Were they infected? Did it slip out? Or John, did it intentionally come out? That That's kind of the, the story that it may take a long time to know. I also want to note on this that it's notable that circling around all this, what you're seeing is a break from like Fauci and the former CDC guy Red Redfield on this, because Redfield in that big CNN interview, I mean, he essentially, it, I thought it was very curious how he worded it. He said, like, I can ha- I can speak now. He's retired. Yeah. Uh, and he said, because I think he resents how Fauci is supposed to have the last word on everything with the media and CNN and everything. And he said, I'm a virologist. And to me, it is not possible that it went from like an animal to humans. And he believes that the the lab is the origin. That theory continues to need to be, you know, stronger investigated. I thought that was actually very extraordinary that uh, 
that he is now wants to go on the record and say that. And then Fauci, you know, which because he gets um, so much uh, backing from the national media, Fauci kind of threw him under the bus yeah. in short order, you know, right. And so, um, but I, I think Red Redfield and anyone who's looking at that, they're going to have their day eventually, because I, I think something of this magnitude, once in a century, huge pandemic, I'm sorry, you know, it can't just be WHO and China, it said 50% of the scientists who, quote, you know, wrote and researched the report that wants to say it had nothing to do with this lab, um, they, they, they are the hands on this report. Um, and so I think, again, because the WHO and, and China had a lot to do with, like, they, they want this to be, that was the origin, end of story, close the chapter, that's the end of the story. You know, right. J.D., yeah. like, and I think that's... I think this has, um, you know, headwinds way beyond this moment. It's going to take time. But again, it also gets back to the politics. Trump battled with the WHO. Trump talked often that they were not a straight player. Trump dared to say what now appears true, that they are in the pocket of the Chinese communist leadership. And see, so much of the animosity to Trump was based on he's kind of like a guy who opens his mouth. He's actually saying what's going on. Right. And people don't like that. He's not polite about it. Yes. Um, He didn't play the Washington game. That's right. And I think on this, uh, it's it isn't it fascinating how a lot of the stuff he threw out there is beginning to prove to be accurate. I mean, very much, you know, and uh, yeah, this one's not going away. I don't think with this, you know, you know, rubber stamped report. Folks, we're going to take a quick break. A lot more. Donna Perry, writer, columnist for the Sun Chronicle, right here on the John DePietro Show. Spring is here. Time to contact Bethel Certified Softwash. You can text Jared a free estimate at 401-617-2585. Bethel Certified Softwash. They have a great website. It's RhodeIslandSoftwashing.com. Outside your home. Let's get rid of the grime and the stains, maybe some of that, that green algae and moss and mildew that build up over the course of the winter. Call Bethel Certified Softwash today. Again, outside your restaurant or your home or a roof or a deck or a patio or a walkway, it's Bethel Certified Softwash. Remember, it's biodegradable. It's plant safe. Look for them on Facebook, Bethel, B-E-T-H-E-L. Their Facebook page, the before and after, are just tremendous. Contact them today for a free same-day text estimate, 401-617-2585, 401-617-2585. Again, remember, they have a great website. It's RhodeIslandSoftWashing.com, Bethel Certified Soft Wash and Power Wash. It's spring, and Lawn Doctor of Rhode Island is your lawn care company. Call them today for a free quote, 401-392-1025. Check out their website, lawndoctor.com. Your best lawn ever, guaranteed. Call them now. Get that spring program. You have the fertilizer, then you guaranteed broadleaf crabgrass control. Your best lawn ever guaranteed call lawn doctor today check out their website lawndoctor.com or call them 401-392-1025 we're speaking with donna perry writer columnist for the sun chronicle dj also i think um i'd like you to touch on i, I think right now the cdc and you know dr burks is doing these interviews fauci is still nonstop. i i don't think though I don't think they're in step with what's going on in this country. I think it's becoming a little, I I think it's becoming overkill. Biden's going back to the mass mandates, but let's face it, as more people uh, get the vaccine, which is a game changer, you don't have older people dying. You don't have the deaths in the nursing homes or in the hospitals. This, this nonstop chicken little sky is falling. I, I think it's starting to fall on deaf ears now. Well, that's it. I mean, I, I think, uh, you know, and what we saw in, in the recent whatever last 24, 48 hours. I mean, when you see the the new head of the CDC, Rochelle Walensky, uh, look, she's a highly credentialed epidemiologist from Mass General Hospital. No question about that. 
Um, she knows her stuff from a data point of view, but I, I, I will say, I think she's looking more and more a little lost and maybe like in that role and not, and, and just wasn't prepared that in this juncture, this whole, a lot of the role is a public relations job. And, um, the fact that she blurted out, um, and came out and talked, you know, actually said, I'll going off script now. She looked very emotional and, you know, like as if she was going to cry and it, I, I see possibly impending doom if we don't pull back. I mean, J.D., that, that she's like 12 months ago, uh, first of all, where we, you know, saw these building surges. Um, and to your point, like, I just think that it, it's concerning to me and I think it's actually irresponsible that she was allowed to sort of blurt that out that way. Um, there was a lot of other public health officials who I, I follow and you do. And Dr. Ja, by the way, out of Brown, who I think is just, he's excellent. He's calm. He, he has been really right on the money about where we are yes. now. And I think for her to say that, as you said, that does not remotely align with where we are now. Um, and, and I also think they con- they continue to have only one playbook from the CDC and that is like, scare the country. I think it's, it's just, it's wrong. And the point about the vaccinations, um, we're up to about a hundred million Americans already vaccinated. And I think like all of this talk about, um, you know, whether there is the, um, variables coming, the variant, et cetera, John, it, that, actually won't mean anything when you have 70, 80% of a country vaccinated. That's, that's what's getting lost. They talk about it as if the virus has unlimited uh, infection powers. It doesn't up against these highly potent vaccines. Um, and I also think that what, so I think like her messaging, that was way off the mark. And I do think it's irresponsible when we are at finally not only turning the corner, you're at a point where, look at the struggle, school systems have finally got on the playbook, they got the teachers vaccinated, they're really mostly in school. You also have major companies, corporations, they are making decisions now. We want to get the workforce back in those headquarters, back in those buildings, Uh, places like New York and Boston. John, they have to have people come back to work in buildings. Um, There is no way around that. And for this is the problem that we've allowed an epidemiologist to make pronouncements that's going to affect economic, uh, you know, business districts all over the country. Industry sectors are trying to make their decisions. Business doesn't work on let's, oh, we'll do it next week. They work three months ahead, four months ahead. Right. So I think it was very irresponsible. And, you know, uh, we have a media incapable at this point of asking objective questions or criticizing the CDC, which I find that is that's dangerous in general. You know, and they they were um, reporting, well, there's, you know, all these 10 to 14 year olds that are testing positive. That's true. However, children are traveling with their parents. Children want to participate in spring sports. You have to get tested. Right. Yes, that is true. However, none of them are in the hospital. They're not even showing symptoms. They're asymptomatic. So this business of all these young kids are testing positive, there needs to be context with that. It's like I said, it's not like anyone's in the hospital or dying. But the more and and Trump used to say, the more you test, the more you're going to find. If you're going to test all these kids because they just went away on a trip with their parents or they want to play spring football, you're going to get more people. But that doesn't equate. Therefore, we need to shut down. Right. And, and just to finish up on that, the, at this juncture, what, what is really was irresponsible for her to go off in that kind of an emotional scare the country again thing, that, you know, when you um, all infections now in the spring of 2021, that all infections do not equal with the same potency they did a year ago, because why? Like we said, 80% of the people who struggled with the virus and the deaths, I believe it's that high. They were people 75 or 80 or older. So, and that is the population now fully, uh, you know, they are fully protected. And by the way, I believe almost all except three states begin 
vaccinations open up to anyone 16 years old and older, J.D., in the next two weeks or so, mid-April. And that's the thing. So after all these months of saying young people and college kids are the super spreaders, well, then, you know, give them, you know, the vaccination. And that's actually about to happen. So I just think that it it was very um, disappointing. And I also think, again, I think it's actually downright irresponsible for her to do that. I, I, I actually don't think it was just an accident. That looked a little staged. I think it was, you know, there again, Fauci is on this playbook of, you know, any infection is a threat. And that is, as you said, that is not within giving any context to where we are now. It's not the spring of 2020. No. The country has to get back. Look, they've a lot of other pu- public health people who I think are very bright, including at Johns Hopkins School of Medicine, and they have put out editorials in recent weeks, and they have said the country is closer to herd immunity than somehow the CDC does not want to acknowledge. Um, and I also think it, the public is going to have to, and their own governors, in my view, should push back against what uh, Walensky said. I, I really mean that. I think governors have worked very hard and they should say, hey, listen, you, you know, you, you, you hitting a panic button does not correlate with what we're seeing. Right. So I, I just think, um, you know, there's not going to be a magical moment of, oh, it's all gone. Like there's no, vi-, you know, look, this thing might float around the globe for, I don't know, 10, 20 years. You're going to shut the world for 10 years because right. Fauci says that? No, you're not. Like, I think there's coming a point where the, I think it's going to be a very tough final battle, like all parts of the pandemic, uh, right to the end, you know? Donna Perry, how can people read your fine work with the Sun Chronicle, who just celebrated a big anniversary? Yes, they. thank you. And they, um, uh, I, I do want to just quickly mention that in 10 seconds. Yeah. I mean, you know, look, in this day and age of vanishing newspapers, um, I, I feel just they are really tremendous, John, to have a, a daily paper that is cranked out, that is communities and regional. And it has been 50 years. Uh, they put it out there. They do still do everything, news, local sports, politics. Um, I'm very happy and humbled to be a small part on their editorial page uh, weekly. And um, they just deserve a lot of credit. And that shows like a very supportive um, you know, readership. Uh, and again, the fact that they are doing it and they give local news. And, and you know, I think that's just really important. You have talked about that and you're a, a beacon for that all this Very time. So. so, yeah, because otherwise, you know, there's just spin nationally. Yes. Um, so they, they're just tremendous and um, very glad to be a part of it. And Donna Perry, that is the, I did yep. want to mention one last, and that is with the Sharon Osbourne leaving the talk. Now, that's not particularly a show that, that I watch, shows like that in The View. However, it, it, it can't be ignored because it is kind of a reflection of, of where we are. That's a, a show on CBS each day at, at 1 o'clock. And, and the reason that Sharon Osbourne is leaving the talk, it's supposed to be yeah. you give your opinion on topics of the day. And she's from the UK, and she's friendly with Piers Morgan. And the day after... The interview that he um, was criticizing Meghan Markle and Prince Harry, one of the panelists on the talk started to say that he was a racist. And and she was taken aback by that and said, what do you like? He's a friend of mine. He's not a racist. And as a result of that, she is right. forced off the show. I mean, that's where we are right now. <clears throat> Just for saying, yeah. why are you calling him a racist? He's a friend of mine. Right, I don't so think you he's a racist. Out. Does that make me a racist? <laughs> this is what. I know people throw around cancel culture and they don't know exactly yeah. what that means. This is, is is what it means because the person on the talk whose name, I think it's Cheryl Underwood or something, escapes me. But she was basically saying it's not anything he said. He is, She described it as like racist tendencies or he comes to racist conclusions, like this just jarble and nonsense. So I did want to make mention of that because it, it reminded me, if you go back to after 9-11 – Bill Maher had the program on ABC called Politically Incorrect, and it was actually a pretty safe right. show. The one time he actually said something that was politically incorrect was he made a comment that he thought the hijackers were brave from 9-11. They fired him off the show, <laughs> politically right. incorrect, for saying something. But um, this is where we're at with uh, some people You know, feel, no, 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 you, you're not supposed to say that. 
and uh, she's paid for it in a, in a very high profile way. Yeah. And let me just um, say, when you look at that situation, first of all, um, all the controversies with statements with Meghan Markle, that you come to a point, Meghan Markle chose to be in that role. She is a world figure. Right. She's part of this is like historic, uh, tr- you know, this historic institution, which is the royal family. So I, I think over time, some of her comments, um, you know, look, that, that I agree with people who say that really should have been uh, battled out privately. Um, and, and she wanted to put that on the record. She did. I don't think she's going to be someone that everyone's like buzzing about as the years go on because she wants to, OK, you know, walk away from being part of that. And I think in terms of Sharon Osbourne, we have reached a point, though, where if everything is racist, J.D., over time, then nothing is racist. And I think they're watering it down, which is actually um, dangerous for when there is true racism. Actually, you know, you can do polls. Fewer and fewer people will actually believe that. Right. Because if, if it's everything... You know, it's this critical race theory stuff. It's like if everything is an affront uh, to the other side, I, I just it's not only unfortunate, you know, her situation is I'm not surprised because these little stories take on a life of their own. Mm. But, you know, I think there is there is some sectors of activists and they are really promoting sort of like a race war and, uh, you know, this everything has to be in terms of white people and black people and white people. And, black. and you know, I, I find it troubling, J.D., because I feel like that was not happening for many decades of us in our adult life. That's I'm not right. going way back to no. the 60s, but no, you're correct. You, didn't, you didn't see this in the 80s. No. You know, there wasn't. And, and actually, there's been anyway, I've, I've written about this and talked about it. I think it's um it's it's dangerous and again it's only sparking more animosity yes. where it didn't have to be and and then to just keep trying to peddle this to young people yes. that you know the other side hates you which yeah. is completely untrue right you know i i think it's um dangerous to make yes yes and that's what a lot of what that is kind of projecting folks she has done a parent sun chronicle dj great job this portion of the john DePietro show folks is brought to you by brother's disposal call brother roland today now offering weekly trash collection services brother's disposal look for them on facebook they have those purple dumpsters and the facebook page stands out purple and yellow brother's disposal again offering weekly trash collection services call for an estimate 401-688-0517 401 401- Six eight eight zero five one seven. Come on, brother. Call Brothers Disposal today. Put a purple dumpster in your driveway. Maybe you're doing some spring cleaning, or maybe you want to clean out that basement, the garage, the attic. Call Brothers Disposal today. Get a purple dumpster in your driveway. 401-688-0517. And remember, now offering weekly trash collection services. Call for an estimate. It's Brothers Disposal. 401 401- Six eight eight zero five one seven.